It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast today. Today, Joe will be joined by Michael from the Locked On Patriots podcast to cross over an advance of the cheating, sorry, the New England Patriots visiting Paul Brown Stadium, fresh off of Cheatgate 2.0, whatever it's going to get called. That story continues to evolve. We'll talk about that a little bit in the open here. I'm sure Joe will get into it with Michael as well. On top of that, there's a roster move today, and we'll take another look at the Football Outsiders' first-round pick odds. We're going to get started today with a look at the Paul Daner Jr. report on The Athletic that says the New England Patriots videographer supposedly in Cleveland to video an advanced scout a day in the life had his camera instead trained on the Cincinnati Bengals sideline, tracking plays, getting signaled in from the sideline, tracking substitution patterns. Bengals executives got involved. NFL security got involved. The video this time was confiscated, unlike 2007 when the video was destroyed by the Patriots. And then later in 2015, a Business Insider article talked about how Patriots videographers would go under false pretenses of being credential media and have excuses ready Sounds very, very similar to what's happening here. Sources that have viewed the tape say that it does show, indeed, eight minutes of footage focused on recording the Bengals' sideline, a direct view as players run on and off the field. Coaches make signals for plays. Now, the Patriots didn't get their hands on this, but they did issue a statement on Monday night saying that this is an ongoing TV production, but... They're aware that they violated the rules. They apologized a little bit for not making contact, getting approval from the Bengals for being there. They say it was a mistake of the film crew independent of their football operation. Again, very similar to that 2015 report that said videographers were provided with excuses for what to tell NFL security if asked what they were doing. Tell them you're filming the quarterbacks or the kickers. Or footage for a team show. And this time we got the excuse. Footage for a team show. Now Bill Belichick in the media today says that he wasn't involved at all. He is no contact with this TV production. Robert Kraft met with Roger Goodell on Tuesday evening. Told media members, no comment. You know everything you need to know. We'll have to continue to watch this story to see if any punishment comes down for the Patriots ahead of this week's contest against Cincinnati. The good news for the Bengals, I guess, is that 
the Patriots probably don't have that video. Not that they likely needed it to beat the Bengals. The Patriots come into Cincinnati as nine-point favorites. So we will continue to monitor that story. The Bengals also made a roster move today, however. Auden Tate's season is unfortunately done with that sprained MCL. It doesn't sound like there's structural damage. It is not expected to be a long-term serious injury. However, Auden Tate's season, promising for a 22-year-old, has come to a close, and we will look forward to his healthy return in 2020, rounding out this receiving core. In his place, the Bengals signed again for the second time from the practice squad, Third time on the active roster, Damian Willis returns, joins the receiving core now depleted again without A.J. Green, without now Auden Tate. John Ross back in the fold will be joined by Alex Erickson, of course, Tyler Boyd in the slot, and we'll have to see if A.J. Green can come back to practice this week, although Zach Taylor did not sound optimistic. Dave Lapham did report that before the game on Sunday against the Browns, Green was looking spry in pregame drills, And there is a chance that he will get back on the field. Lapham thought that he looked really good. And now, as has come tradition, we will take a look at the Bengals' odds to earn the first overall pick in the 2020 draft. Currently sitting at 59.3%, clear of the Giants by about 34%. Their odds are 25.2%. The Giants still have to play the Dolphins and they have to play Washington. So there are a couple winnable games certainly on the schedule. They also play Philly again and they gave Philly a game on Monday night. They probably should have won that game. Had a late collapse. Couldn't get the offense going in the second half. But that is the Giants' outstanding schedule. By contrast, the Dolphins who play the Giants this week get the Bengals the following week and then close the season with the Patriots. And if the Patriots are playing for anything, you can all but write in pen The Patriots are going to win that game. So the Dolphins have two winnable games left on the schedule if you don't count the Patriots game, and that is visiting the New York Giants, who, as Bengals fans, we want to see the Giants win, and then they host the Cincinnati Bengals. And for the draft order, it will be best for the Bengals to lose that game, especially if the Giants don't manage to beat the Dolphins the prior week. But if the Giants beat the Dolphins in week 15, then the Bengals beat the Dolphins in week 14. Then there's just a one-game cushion between the Bengals and the Giants and the Dolphins. They would be at two wins compared to the Giants and Dolphins at three. The Dolphins play the Patriots in week 17. The Giants play the Eagles. And the Bengals play the Browns, so that Browns game could get really interesting. The Bengals play the Browns pretty close in Cleveland, and week 17 is in Paul Brown Stadium, so still Plenty of intrigue in the tankathon as things get dicey going down the stretch here for the Bengals, who could secure that first overall pick in the 2020 draft. Speaking of that first overall pick in the 2020 draft, we still have on for you a sweet deal with the Epic Kimpton Miami Hotel. You can get luxury rooms for just $149 a night. You can get tickets to the game at friends and family prices. 35 bucks to start all the way up to 90 for the lower bowl. So if you want to watch a game up close and in person, see the Bengals and probably their most important game of the year could be their most important game of the year, at least unless that week 17 contest in Cincinnati ends up more important. Go down to Miami, take a vacation late December, lows in Miami in the 60s, 10 minutes from the beach, 20 minutes from the stadium, the Kimpton Epic Miami Hotel. Go check out our Twitter page for all the details on how to book your trip. Guys, let's talk about sex. 
Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. And hello to all you fans of Locked On Patriots and Locked On Bengals. My name is Mike DeBate, and I am the host of Locked On Patriots here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And I am joined today by Joe Goodberry of Locked On Bengals. Joe, thank you for joining me today on Crossover Wednesday. Should be a great discussion today. Yes, sir. Thanks for uh, joining me too, Mike. And it seems like we've got a an interesting matchup, not on the field, but maybe a little bit off it. Well, absolutely. And we definitely will get to that, folks. It's the story of the day. It's the story of the week. And we will talk about it here on Locked On Patriots and Locked On Bengals. But first, I'll take a little bit of time off of the hot seat for a second. And I'm going to ask Joe some questions related to the Cincinnati Bengals. And Joe, bottom line, I know it's been a tough season in Cincinnati uh, for the fans and for the team alike. You know, obviously the record is, you know, not great. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But there is talent on both sides of the ball in Cincinnati where they could string together a victory or two if, you know, the, the situation presents itself and if they're able to uh, to get there. Andy Dalton right now this season has been an anomaly. Obviously, he was benched earlier this season. He is now back in the lineup and playing and actually playing pretty well, believe it or not. When you take a look at the way uh, the quarterback position has evolved all year for Kansas City, how do you see them being able to uh, approach this game against such a stout Patriots defense? Yeah, uh, starting with the quarterback position for the Bengals, I think their focus has been on the future, the the entire season. And maybe it doesn't always evolve that way. You know, I think sometimes teams have plans, and either you win games or you lose games, and those plans get altered, right? So they go into this, and they look good week one versus Seattle, really go toe-to-toe with them in Seattle. And I think we all thought, okay, maybe this team might be decent this year. Maybe they'll at least be able to compete. And then quickly they end up 0-5, and in that range we go, okay, this offense is really not clicking. Andy Dalton is not playing well. Uh, at 0-5, you start to have to think about the future, and and it was quickly after that. We go into the bye week after eight games, and Andy Dalton's benched, and he's benched for a fourth-round rookie and Ryan Finley, who was dreadful for his three performances. In fact, I think Andy Dalton may win two of those games if he was in. So maybe it's a good thing if their eye was on the future, and in fact, That is one of the only things Zach Taylor really said to Andy Dalton was we have to start looking at next year and the future of this team. And, you know, saying that it wasn't so much about Andy Dalton's play. It was more about they've got to have one eye on what's going to happen in in April's draft. And 
I think everyone uh, who's a football fan knows Joe Burrow and, and the, the season he's having at LSU. So I think a lot of Bengals fans are looking at it like, all right, you're in this position now, so let's finish this over the last three weeks and end up with that number one pick. And that's clear goal number one. So the quarterback play hasn't been good. It's been it's been really bad. Andy Dalton's been reinserted. And even though he's better than Ryan Finley, he's still performing as a bottom five quarterback in the league right now as a starter. And when you have that, it's tough to win any games at all. You guys know the difference between elite quarterback play and when you've had backups get in there or when Tom Brady has struggled in games here or there. It's a big difference on how your team performs overall. It can start to affect the defense, too. And that's that's definitely the case for the Bengals. So that's where they're at right now. I think they're okay with evaluating everyone and all the talent around them and just getting to next year. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. And that was really my assessment as well. And taking a look at what the Bengals bring to the table, especially for this matchup, you hit the nail on the head with quarterback play. And look, the New England Patriots are no strangers to having some struggles at the quarterback position this year. It sounds crazy when you employ a quarterback like Tom Brady to talk about quarterback struggles and difficulties. But Brady's been up and down this year. I mean, there you have to be honest in your assessment, and I definitely am when it comes to that. He's had his issues being able to get rid of the ball. He's been pressured. Now, a lot of that has been because of the offensive line problems that the Patriots have had. Some of it has been because of infamiliarity with some of his offensive skill position players. Some of that is being worked out, but we still saw that even rare its ugly head in the Patriots' loss to the Kansas City Chiefs over the weekend. That's definitely been an issue that they will need to shore up. I think that's, uh, that uh, Taylor definitely did a good job by seeing what he had in Finley. And obviously, the experiment didn't work out so well. It really, you know, it, it struggled. But it showed the Cincinnati Bengals what the future was and whether or not they needed to roll the dice and take their chances of getting a guy. You mentioned Joe Burrow. Obviously, I think there's probably a lot of eyes on him in Kansas City, excuse me, in uh, Cincinnati. And I think he'll uh, be a, a good fit if everything plays out the way it should. But ultimately, you're right. A team has to make that step. They have to be able to see what they have at the quarterback position. And eyes are on the future. Uh, I will just transition off into the uh, the Bengals defense a little bit and we talked about some of the offensive struggles that the Patriots have had this year obviously one of their biggest struggles has been running the football uh, Sony Michelle has not been as prolific of a runner as he has been in years past James White is typically being covered by defensive backs which means that his productivity has been limited even though when he does get looks he makes the most out of him and is able to go with the Cincinnati Bengals, the run defense right now, I think, is probably their best bet to try to slow down this Patriots offense, especially with the, I should say, even with the difficulties that the Patriots have had uh, through the passing game, I think that it probably is better for the Bengals to be able to try to stuff the run and try to have, uh, you know, the, uh, the Patriots beat them through the air. If you're the Bengals defense, uh, being that you see this team day in, day out, you cover them, what is probably their best strength of their defense and how would you attack this Patriots offense knowing that Tom Brady could possibly go off and have one of his Tom Brady like games at any time? I would say their strength is it's, it's kind of hard because our expectations for some of these players and what the strengths of this team should have been coming into the year definitely did not manifest. And I think part of that is having an inexperienced head coach, having an inexperienced defensive coordinator. They hired the defensive backs coach from the Giants because they couldn't find anybody. Uh, they pieced together a bunch of different three, four, multiple look um, position coaches and tried to get this defense together in time for the season. 
And that's what they are. They're a multiple defense. They'll play some 5-2 fronts. They'll play some 3-4, some 4-3. Obviously heavy on the nickel package, as the rest of the league is. But it's a tale of two teams so far. When they got to the bye week, they were horrible. I mean, you could fire Lou Anarumo during the bye week, and no one would have batted an eye because it was that bad. Uh, You hear a lot of rumblings of fighting in the locker room and, and just responsibilities and roles and what are we doing and do the coaches know what they're doing and this and that. But then... They come out of the bye week and they've been really, really good. And uh, really, they've shut down. And it was it's it has been great opponents. I mean, the Raiders, the Jets, and the Browns. But they've been really good getting their their hands on the ball. Uh, linebacker play has increased phenomenally. They were like a dreadful unit. They released Preston Brown. They insert third round rookie Jermaine Pratt, and all of a sudden they they're more athletic and they're actually playing defense like a team. So the strength should be their pass rushers. It should be Geno Atkins. Carlos Dunlap, Carl Lawson, and Sam Hubbard as your four-man line, and that line should get after you. And there are times when it really does. But when the offense doesn't score any points, quickly they fade away as other teams can lean on the run and really keep you on your on your heels as a defensive line. So the last four weeks or so when the offense has scored a little bit more early in the game and the defense has held their own and, and kept uh, the game close, those, those defensive linemen up front have really shown out a lot. And that's their strength. Uh, besides that, it's really Jesse Bates and William Jackson in the secondary. William Jackson can be a shutdown type guy. He can follow guys on the boundary uh, left and right, and he will with number ones. He did with Odell Beckham last week, held him the one catch when he was covering him. Uh, and Jesse Bates at safety, second-year guy, just seems to get his hand on all in the ball a lot. He should have four interceptions over the last four weeks. One was called back due to a, a weak pass interference call, but still three interceptions over the last four weeks. He looks really good again. Those are their strengths. If you're going to attack them, though, I think right now B.W. Webb playing the other boundary corner is the, is the, is the where I want to attack, and I think you can beat him deep. He doesn't have great ball skills, uh, and sometimes I think you can get him on double moves. Other than that, I think you still want to try and isolate the times when the Bengals get into their 3-4 or 5-2 looks and they do these fire zone blitzes and they're going to drop Carl Lawson or Carlos Dunlap or Sam Hubbard in the coverage. And these guys are true 4-3 ends. They're, they have no business dropping out. Uh, you know, they're not Cal Van Noy or anything for the Patriots. So right. they get attacked as soon as they drop into coverage. And that's been the Achilles heel the last few weeks while the defense is playing well. I think offenses are waiting for you. Okay, drop into coverage and we're just going to attack Carl Lawson. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, and I think it, at that point, that that's a very, very good point. And you mentioned the front seven just a little bit ago before you started talking about the secondary. And to me, I think that's where the Patriots right now need to be concerned because if there is one area on this team on offense that has really struggled consistently all year, it's been their offensive line. And even with the return of Isaiah Wynn, it's still been a problem for Brady to be able to be protected. He's been constantly forced to throw the ball away in the face of a lot of immediate and heavy pressure. That's led to a lot of problems with his completion percentage, and I'm sure if you've taken a look at Tom Brady's stat lines the last couple of weeks, his completion percentage is very un-Brady-like. Dunlap is a talented edge rusher. You mentioned him. Atkins, I think, is capable of collapsing the pocket on the interior. The matchup to watch, if I'm a Patriots fan and a Bengals fan, is James Ferentz is actually probably going to be the starting center this week for the Patriots. Ted Karras is out once again with a knee injury, so or it looks like he will be. I shouldn't say that he is out because that has not been confirmed yet. We'll know more on the practice fields Wednesday and Thursday, but it's looking like he probably will miss this game coming up against the Bengals. So if that's a possibility, 
and this Bengals front seven can start getting pressure on Brady, this could be a tougher game than people think. So uh, I, I like what you said about uh, the uh, the secondary and about you know the Patriots being able to uh, to challenge or maybe have some skill position players that could end up being either shut down or have some difficulty being able to get open against the secondary. So I actually think this is going to be a better game than a lot of people think. And that gives us something to think about when it comes to the new England Patriots and the Cincinnati Bengals this week. Well, Joe, it's been great. Definitely talking to you and picking your brain a little bit about the Bengals, getting to know a little bit about their offense, their defense, some of the struggles and some of what they bring to the table. But in just a moment, we will flip the script here on crossover Wednesday. Joe will put me on the hot seat when it comes to the new England Patriots offense woes, some of their defensive strengths, and yes, folks, we are going to get to that videotape. So in just a moment, Joe and I will flip the script and we'll continue here on Crossover Wednesday. All right, we've got Mike from the Locked On Patriots. You've got me, Joe Goodberry, Locked On Bengals. And Mike, I want to ask, I want to, I guess we should kick it off. Let's start first with the videotape thing, because I think a lot of people are waiting for that or trying to get our take. This is the first time I've talked to a Patriots guy about it at all. I think we've kind of get get, get into our own bubble and worry about it. And, you know, what does it mean for the Bengals? You know, it's a one in 12 team. Why do they even care? I wonder what the Patriots first, like when you hear the news, are you shocked? Are you like, no, come on, they didn't do this or they didn't do it again, I guess you can kind of say. Or what is your first reaction when you hear the news like this? To be honest, my first reaction was, what are they dredging up now? Because unfortunately, when it comes to Spygate and Joe, there's been so much misinformation, I think, that's been put out about Spygate and even Deflategate throughout the the years here with regard to the New England Patriots, their role, exactly what happened. It's difficult to take some of the national narrative seriously. So you look at it and you say... Okay, what's going on now? Now, what are they accusing the Patriots of? And is this really something that we need to pay attention to? And then all of a sudden, the story starts to take off and it starts to have legs a little bit. You start to think that maybe it's not a big deal. And then they issue the statement last night. And Mm -hmm. when they issued the statement, or I should say issued the statement on Monday night, and when they do that and they say we take full responsibility and you start to see this, then all of a sudden that malaise that you had about this a few minutes ago all of a sudden starts to turn to, oh my God, not again. What is going on here? How could something like this have happened? Bottom line, when it comes to the New England Patriots in this story, here's what we know for sure. Here are the actual details of what we know to be true when it comes to this. The New England Patriots uh, organization, and I should say Kraft Productions, and this is not the football operations end of the Patriots. This is the Kraft Productions end. This is basically audio video and uh, a, a separate production company than what goes on with the with the uh, with the Patriots film operations a camera crew accompanied a Patriots advanced scout to the Bengals Browns game on Sunday December 8th and that was at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland the scout was being filmed for a feature that was the, that was produced by Kraft Productions and it's called Do Your Job and it's basically a series of vignettes where people will get up and talk about what their job is within the Kraft organization and supporting or within the New England Patriots organization. Now, the video crew was credentialed by the Browns, who were the home team. They shot the video in the press box, and the Browns PR person was aware that they were indeed present. Now, the production crew, again, is separate from the football operations team. That may have led to some of the miscommunication and whether or not to notify the Bengals and to notify the league. 
That definitely should have been done. There's no question about that. And that's what the Patriots were apologetic for in their statement. Now, that's what we know for sure. The footage, and I know that I did dig by due diligence to uh, Paul Denner Jr.'s uh, article this morning in The Athletic, where he wrote that according to sources who have viewed the tape, it shows about eight minutes of footage focusing on recording the Bengals' sideline. It's a direct view of the sideline. The players run on the field, and the coaches are making signal plays. That sounds damning, but when you take a look at what the actual intent was of this video that the Patriots were trying to shoot, it's really, it's a documentary on what, uh, it's almost like a day in the life of what an advanced scout is supposed to do. And yes, I think the video right now, my concern, my eyebrow raised when I found out there were eight minutes of footage seems a little excessive if you're going to just be, you know, uh, you know, videoing something for a documentary and just getting an idea of what an advanced scout does all day. So ultimately, it's going to be it's going to lie within the hands of the league. I did see a report early on uh, and uh, this was uh, um, this was just, uh, uh, you know, reiterated, I think, uh, late on uh, on Tuesday evening that the NFL is going to be very quick to make a decision on this. They want to find out exactly what happened. They want to see the footage. Uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, several people have seen that footage. So at this point, it really is in the hands of the league. My assessment of this and from the people that I've talked to within the organization, it does lend merit to the fact that these two Entities, Craft Productions and the football operations team may not have had their lines crossed, may not have been in sync when it came to what was going on. Football operations team might have been aware that something was going to be filmed, but probably wasn't intricately involved. And I think that's what led to the miscommunication here. Ultimately, I don't believe that the Patriots had any malicious intent. I don't think they were necessarily trying to steal the Bengals' signals. If they did that, they were very nonchalant and very sloppy about the way they were doing it. First of all, the press box is not really the place where you want to try to get away with that. There are a lot of eyes on you. Uh, You're doing this uh, wearing New England clothing, which obviously was there. And second of all... The fact that they're stealing signals is really, I think, something to maybe a little bit more of an archaic circumstance than it has been in years past. I think right now anybody in the stadium could possibly do what the Patriots were doing from the press, from the uh, the press box if they were looking to try to get signals. You can get guys in there with a smartphone to be able to pick that up, do it a lot more discreetly and under the radar than what the Patriots had done. So ultimately, it's going to be in the hands of the league to be able to do this and find out exactly what went wrong. But I agree, the optics are definitely difficult to uh, to swallow. And ultimately, it's going to rest with the league about how lenient or how diligent they want to be about any type of punishment or any type of sanctions against the team. Yeah. And from my perspective, I don't care. <laughs> to be honest, I, I look at it like, yeah, this stuff probably happens to some level all across the league. Yeah. The Patriots may have been in trouble for skirting the rules as many times as they can over the years. And to me, I don't care. I think if you're not trying to cheat you're not trying to win and I mean that uh, in an honest way because I think there's always a competitive angle to getting the signals or the information from the other team as much as possible so I think this stuff happens way more I think it's very weird and I think uh, whatever happens it doesn't benefit the Bengals in any way so it just happens to be the (laughs) Bengals so I guess I have to talk about it for a few minutes but to be honest (laughs) it's whatever I rather care about you know what's going on on the field and speaking of which we like to focus on the lockdown Bengals a lot of player evaluation. And you guys got a couple former Bengals, some of our favorite players, especially of the podcast, Rex Burkhead, Mohamed Sanu. 
how are they fitting in? What are what are their roles right now? Especially Sanu, I'm kind of interested in because uh, I'm not sure he's taken off the way. I thought he fit really well, and I, I'm not sure he's really uh, been the guy they've needed so far at receiver. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what's been going on with Sanu is probably still suffering a little bit from the high ankle sprain. And I think mm-hmm. that when you take a look at game film from him, he looks like he's still pulling up and holding up a little bit from that burst that he's capable of getting. He looked very good in the first game that he played in New England, and the synergy with Tom Brady looked to be right on the money. And then after the injury, it seemed to tail off a bit. Now, I don't know what that does. There's been some practice issues with not being able to get on the same page, or again, if it's really labeled to his problems that he's had with the uh, with the ankle. But ultimately, I do look for Sanu to be a productive member of this uh, wide receivers core, and I think he'll fit in nicely. When it comes to Burkhead, Burkhead has definitely been an asset since he's got here. The problem with Rex has always been keeping him healthy and keeping mm-hmm. him on the field. When he's on the field and when he's in coverage, or when I should say when he's in when he's available to get in into the game he's able to break coverages he's able to create mismatches quite frankly i'm a little surprised that rex burkett has not been utilized more out of the shotgun in the play action and being able to take and create a mismatch maybe being matched up with a linebacker a lot of times we've seen now with especially with james white who's being covered by a defensive back either a safety or a cornerback each of the games they're game planning now for james white because they're doubling julian edelman so much that leaves rex burkhead with a lot of opportunity to create mismatches against the linebacker in coverage rex can be able to utilize that i'm a little surprised we haven't seen that yet i think we may see it this week i think rex right now is someone that's poised to come out and have a big break Breakout game. I don't believe he's hampered by any injuries. He has not uh, showed up on any type of injury report. He's been a full participant uh, for a good number of weeks now. So I look for him to be a much bigger part of this offense. But ultimately, he is a guy that I think does have Tom Brady's trust simply because of some of the big moments he's had in New England since he's come here. Yeah, and I'm sure he'd like to have that game against the Bengals, too, after, you know, there was kind of seemed like the they never really gave him the opportunity. Every time he played, he played really well for the Bengals. He's the same guy he was. This isn't a case where a player wasn't really good and the Patriots turned him into something other than that. He was good. They just they kept drafting running backs and never gave him the opportunity. They drafted him the same year as Giovanni Bernard in the second round. They followed that up next year in the second round with Jeremy Hill and then ultimately went from Hill and Burkhead uh, as uh, with Gio into Joe Mixon. So they just transitioned and just really left him in the dust, only giving him a few opportunities. The other guy I want to ask about is Isaiah Wynn. I know he's been injured really the last two years, and uh, when he's played, it seems like he's played well, but that was the guy we debated a lot for the Bengals with the 21st pick that year because the Bengals took Billy Price. Bengals really needed offensive line help. You really felt like that's the way they would go. Uh, I advocated for Isaiah Wynn. I was a big fan of his. He was a top 12 player for me, number 12, so top 12 player for me, and I was not a huge fan of Billy Price, and now Billy Price is not starting for the Bengals. He's the backup center at this point to Trey Hopkins. How is Isaiah Wynn playing when he's healthy? When he's healthy, Isaiah Wynn is very effective. He's definitely their starting left tackle when all is said and done. And look, they thought enough of him to be able to let Trent Brown walk in free agency. A lot of people think that, oh, he just walked away and the Patriots weren't going to match his uh, his deal. They very easily could have franchised him. Now, it would have been a hefty price, but the Patriots place a high premium on offensive line talent. So it's not as crazy to think that they would have franchised Brown. They did let him walk because they had that much confidence in Wynn. 
Unfortunately, the knock on him has been injury. The turf toe this year set him back. It did hamper him a little bit, and you can still see he's getting his legs back and trying to become that player that everybody thinks he can. But there has been a difference in this offensive line since he's been able to come back. The problem is, is it's been offset by now the loss of Ted Karras, who is going to be, you know, probably sidelined, was sidelined against the Kansas City Chiefs. As I alluded to earlier, it's likely that he'll be sidelined for this game against the Cincinnati Bengals, although we don't know for that for sure yet and probably won't know until the end of the week. But Wynn is definitely a guy that can create some issues for defensive front sevens. He can block. He's a very good. He knows his uh, his assignments, and he's very good at being able to protect the blind side of the quarterback. And I know that's something Tom Brady appreciates. You've noticed a lot of times where Brady is either pressured completely up front and really has no time to be able to throw the ball, or he's back there for a few seconds. Against Houston, he actually was averaging more than three seconds per play to be able to get rid of the football. That's almost unheard of for a Tom Brady uh, offense and the offensive line that's been protecting him this year. And a lot of that was due to Wynn's presence. So the healthier he gets, the better the offensive line produces, and I think they're going to need him to be healthy down the stretch. All signs indicate that he is healthy and he is playing at a high level. I think it's just a matter of him getting his timing back at this point. So my last question then, so we can talk about the defense a little bit, because that is the strength of this Patriots unit. It's really what's carried them, I think, this entire season. How would you attack the Patriots? It's a it's a top, if not the top defensive uh uh, unit in the league, especially that secondary. How would you, if you were lining up and you're, you don't even have to be the Bengals, so you're a generic team coached by Mike DeBate, how are you attacking this team? Well, the conventional wisdom would be to say that you would attack them by running the football. I think that's been their biggest difficulty all season long. The problem with that is the last few weeks, the Patriots have become much better at stopping the run. Guys like Lawrence Guy and Adam Butler have come up big in that front set to be able to stuff the run. And Danny Shelton really has been a good anchor at nose tackle all year long. So maybe running the football is not as much of an attack as you would want to see. The key that I think you've seen teams like the Baltimore Ravens, like the Houston Texans, and just the other night against the Kansas City Chiefs, is using those run pass options, utilizing the tight end. That's a difficult position for the Patriots to be able to defend. Prolific big tight ends sometimes can give them difficulties, and you've seen that. Ultimately, mobile running quarterbacks are definitely going to be a problem for this team so they're going to have to develop a scheme they're going to have to develop some sort of uh you know synergy on their defensive line to be able to stop that um it's very difficult to attack this team in the secondary you've seen so many times this year where the secondary has been challenged and they've won out they've either shut down the opposing team's best option or they've been able to pick off quarterbacks with ease. You even saw J.C. Jackson pick off Patrick Mahomes in the first quarter against the Kansas City Chiefs. The challenge the secondary is very, very difficult. They're well-conditioned. The linebackers are very athletic. Maybe you don't have the speed that they need to. And to me, I think that's where this team really needs to be a little bit better going into the playoffs. The speed of the linebacker position is something that has been a problem, and that's where you can have some sort of you know success uh, running the ball against the Patriots and maybe even short passes in the uh, in, uh, in either in play action or uh, you know getting up and uh, going no huddle in the line of scrimmage. But uh, if you have to challenge the secondary, that's definitely not the way to beat the Patriots. It's either try to run the football or try to exploit the speed of the linebacker position. 
Well, great. So uh, it doesn't sound like the Bengals are going to be able to exploit them at all. So uh, <laughs> you want to do uh, You never know. You never know, Joe. That's why they play the games on paper. The way the Patriots have been playing the last couple of games, it's all up in the air. So you know what? You never take anything for granted. <laughs> you want to uh, give predictions? Uh, sure. I'd be more than happy to, uh, to give a prediction. Uh, I know I said that this game might be a little bit closer than people think. I still believe it will. I still like the Patriots in this. They're coming off of two very difficult losses for the New England Patriots, and that's an organization that's not used to losing two in a row, let alone three in a row. I know the Bengals want to give them a game, and I actually think they will give them a little bit of a game, but at the end, I do think that the Patriots' offense a little bit and the defense continues to make stops i like the patriots in this one 24 to 14 oh that's good i was gonna say 26 13 so we're pretty close uh i i think the same thing i think we'll come away at halftime and go wow this is a you know 17 10 game or something in that range and go or 16 10 and be like it's a pretty close game and then the uh better team will pull away <laughs> well, we'll see. Again, you know what? That, again, that's why they play the games on the field, not on paper. So we will see. And, uh, you know, hopefully it'll uh, it'll be a, a, a good game. And I think the Patriots, I think it's safe to say Patriots are going to leave the cameras at home, folks. <laughs> yes, they will. All right, Mike, this is Joe Goodberry here. Locked on Bengals, locked on Patriots. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Absolutely. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you very much for today. Always a pleasure to join you guys on Crossover Wednesday. And I enjoyed this, Joe. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Take care. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.